Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This Ben Jarofsky Show Benny J bonus interview is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8 the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it's Tuesday, December 10th, 2019. But as you all know, in the world of podcasting, Lord knows when you'll be listening to this show. Uh, But I'm sure, I promise you this, It'll be completely and totally relevant, no matter when you're listening to it. That's correct. Uh, as we do with every episode, a bonus episode of the Ben Jarofsky Show, I ask my distinguished guests to introduce him or herself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Marge Halperin. I come to you with a few different credentials, I guess, one being a board member of Indivisible Chicago Alliance, uh, which will give me lots of things to talk about. I do some political commentary in WGN television, CTV in Toronto, if you're traveling, uh, some other places, LA Talk Radio, some other things. And uh, I'm a communications consultant with a political background of my own. Yeah, uh, Marge Halpern, as everybody knows, she's been on the show a few times as a legend in Chicago, Chicago politics, and uh, she was on radio for uh, for many years. So, T- D, she knows a thing or two about that board, all right? She can run that board, all right? <laughs> awesome. All right, so it's always <laughs> good to know a, a radio person runs the board. Uh, but Marge is here today as she's sort of wearing her political activist hat, if you will. And uh, I know, Marge, you've been on the show a few times. You've explained this. Uh, but the 2016 presidential election was sort of a, a wake-up call for you, a call for action, a call to action, and you've been an activist ever since. Uh, and uh, so before I ask you to um, talk about what that wake-up call was and why it motivated uh, you to action, talk about just... Let's just start off talking about some of the individual actions that you want to promote before we take the deep dive into the issues of the day. I will. But since we have plenty of time in a bonus interview, I also want to say I've been an activist since I helped form Pure, Parents United for Responsible Education. One, I'm one of the authors of the bill that got you the local school councils. So I've been an activist for a long time. I remember that. I remember now, uh, probably the only person in the city of Chicago old enough to remember when your kids were in school and you were you were active. I do. I, I recall articles that you wrote that were controversial, caused yeah. a lot of uh, concern and consternation among parents. I, now it's coming back to me. Now it's come back to you. I was an activist reporter a little bit back then, too. Um, but nonetheless, your point is well taken in terms of uh, while I've done campaign work um, since I left formal journalism, I, in like everybody else, you know, in November 2016, um, had the real shock and awe and decided that, you know, we have to get active on our own. I, like a lot of people, I volunteered for the Clinton campaign. Uh, I Hillary did it through Clinton. Uh, Hillary mm-hmm. Clinton, of course. Um, and I did that through... Uh, Jan Schakowsky's office, and they sent us out to Iowa. And I know I'm one of many people who said, yeah, I could go to Iowa, but I got family and friends in Wisconsin and Michigan. Couldn't I go there? I could stay longer, you know? I'm like, nope, nope, Clinton campaign wants us all in Iowa. So we went out there, and it was a disaster, as you know, um, of, now the disaster, of great magnitude. When you talk about the disaster, do you mean it was disastrous to send you to Iowa uh, or what you discovered when you went to Iowa was, was disastrous. I mean, all of it. We, I was in Des Moines um, having way too many arguments on doorsteps of, you know, the last couple of days, GOTV, that's when you're talking to your people, just getting them out to vote because you know they're with you. And instead, I'm on one doorstep after another arguing with people who weren't sold on Clinton. 
Um, that should not be happening the last weekend. I remember we laughed when we saw the lights go out in the Trump headquarters at about 5 o'clock on a Saturday night. We're like, boy, those guys are fools. they got to be out there knocking on doors. Well, they didn't have to be knocking on doors because they had it sewn up. While we're losing in Iowa, we were also losing, as everyone knows, in Michigan and Wisconsin, which is where they should have sent us. Wow. So there's two disasters that I hear in that story you just told. One is that uh, Hillary Clinton was so unsuccessful at getting her message out that voters in Iowa who would have a predisposition to vote for Hillary were undecided even at the last moment or were going to vote for Donald Trump. Or the lists weren't good. They hadn't been walked enough. They were the wrong people. I don't know which. Uh, so it's either a lack of messaging or a lack of organization or right. a combination of both. Right. In either case, uh, you probably figured out on your own that Iowa was a lost cause, in which case the second part of the disaster is that you hadn't been dispatched to Wisconsin or Michigan where the race was closer and where your presence, not saying that Marge Hoppins' presence alone, not Us as a group Us that came entity, here from, came from made Chicago. That's right. There are plenty of people, busloads of people who came from Chicago through any one number of organizers here because we were pretty comfortable about Illinois. And that's where we thought, you know, that's where we were told we were needed. So, yeah. So, you know, um, come uh, 20, January 2017, um, and we were all in a panic. If you put yourself back in that place, you know, it was literally head spinning. It was like, oh, my God, what he's going to do on climate. Oh, no, women's health care abortion, you know, guns, like your head was like, I got to do this, I got to do that. And so, like a lot of people who are listening, I'm sure, we start to gravitate together. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And a lot of my friends came to me because I'd been active and uh, an organizer in different ways and said, what's going to happen? And I went to another friend who I believe is friend of the Benny J show also, Mike Lenahan. Uh, and uh, Mike, a lot of people went to Mike too. We started talking, well, let's just call them all together. You know, this is community organizing. Um, and then we went to another friend who has to be a friend of yours as well, Tim Tutton of the Hideout. Jimmy T. <laughs> we loved him and Katie yeah. and said, you know, we got a bunch of people who want to get organized. Can we use your space? And he welcomed us there. And we started meeting uh, monthly and have been meeting monthly ever since um, as Blue Beginning, which is a chapter now of Indivisible Chicago Alliance. And so all over the city, people were gathering under the indivisible umbrella. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, more than a dozen chapters now in Chicago and nearby suburbs. Uh, and we now are a strong coalition that is organizing for 2020, not going to wait for instructions from the campaign of whoever becomes our standard bearer. We're out there now in Michigan and Wisconsin uh, under our banner, Three states, one mission for 2020. All right. Now, before I get into uh, all the issues uh, that are out there, let's talk about three states, one mission. Uh, what's what's that mean? Well, we were successful, highly successful, I'd like to say, in, modestly or not, uh, in 2018, supporting candidates here in Illinois. We were supporting uh, ground efforts in uh, Ford Sean Caston. Uh, as Blue Beginning, we were out in the Illinois 6, a good year before the election, before the primary, uh, helping gather voter data and identifying voters in a district that Democrats hadn't really you know, worked too heavily. Same was happening uh, for Lauren Underwood in the 14th. So um, by the last weekend, we had hundreds of people on the ground um, helping both those candidates and bringing them over the top. We think we can support those who need support in Illinois in 2020 and expand our volunteer uh, army enough to also be on the ground in Michigan and Wisconsin. So we've adopted the Southwest District, happens to also be a District 6, uh, like Sean's uh, in Michigan, where Fred Upton has had a lock on the seat for uh, more than a dozen years. And uh, we've got a great contender there, John Hoadley, who is coming to our Blue Beginning meeting at the hideout this Friday the 13th. Um, this 
may air too late for people to know that, but uh, we have a, a great relationship with the folks in Michigan. There's a really well-organized Indivisible Network in Michigan, and they've asked us to help work for state candidates. This is a different strategy. So when you contact us at IndivisibleChicago.com, and I hope people will, and sign up, uh, look for the Three States, One Mission logo, click on it, and it'll take you to a sign-up. Um, you're thinking, yeah, we got to you know, beat Trump, whatever your individual goal is as a volunteer. Um, but the way we're doing it in Michigan on the advice of the grassroots workers on the ground there is we're focusing on two state house seats that we uh, think are, that they think are flippable. Um, one in Benton Harbor and one farther south. And the idea is if you lock in votes at the down ballot, mm -hmm. they're going to be Democrats all the way up. What we've seen, and we saw this some in 2018 and certainly in 2016, is you might lock in the vote at the top, but people will split as they move down the ballot. And that's very dangerous, both in terms of congressional races, but also state races. Look, we are decades behind the Republicans in a focus on controlling state legislatures. And you want to talk about the real frightening uh, issue on the table here. Of course, it's the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court only gets to rule on what comes before them, and that comes out of the states. So when Republicans control so many red states that are willing to pass atrocious laws about women's right to choose, guns, whatever, um, you know, climate denial, whatever it is they want to pass, um, those work their way to the Supreme Court, and then the court gets to do its conservative thing. But if we control state houses, we control what comes out, we can test our policies in a way that we can get them passed, and writing those laws at the state level is critical to control our national law mm -hmm. at the moment. It's the only leverage we have. So I just wanna get this message out here uh, right now. If anybody wants to get involved, if anybody wants to uh, follow Marge and Mike Lenahan and Timmy Tutton, uh, and Katie Tutton into uh, this campaigning in Wisconsin and Michigan or the uh, uh, 6th Congressional or the 14th Congressional. Let's not forget uh, uh, Betsy durson Longrian in Southern Illinois. And Marie Newman in the primary. And Marie Newman in the, in the primary. If somebody wants, just right now, up top, tell them one more time, Marge, where they can go, what they have to do so they can get involved as well. IndivisibleChicago.com. Scroll down the homepage and look for our Three States, One Mission logo. It's a nicely designed circle with a shout out to Madeline Baum, who does all our graphics and is amazing. Click on that logo and it'll take you to a sign-up form. You can also... You can also go to IndivisibleChicago.com slash Three States, One Mission, hyphenated, write out the words, but trust me, just go to the homepage, scroll down to the logo, IndivisibleChicago.com, and join us All there. right. Now, let's talk about some of the issues that are motivating people to vote uh, in these three states. And uh, you've had experience, you were telling me a little bit, uh, this last time I saw you last week, uh, going door to door in Michigan, and I think maybe Wisconsin. And uh, so let's in the most general sense, Marge, what are the issues, in your humble opinion, that will motivate uh, people to vote for whoever the Democratic candidate is? I think it's the same as it was in 2016, uh, 2018. People are concerned about health care, jobs. I know the economy uh, looks good. The jobs numbers look good. And there's always these asterisks about the people who are not being counted. And wages went up some this month, but next month they may go down again. And they're still not, um, you know, with a fight for 15 is uh, A, a struggle, and B, kind of a joke, because you can't support a family on $15 an hour, and that's who's working these minimum wage jobs. So there's a lot to go to help working people. Um, climate is an issue also. Um, and I, I think people are anxious to stop the chaos, but uh, you know, let's beat Trump is uh, a bit of a drumbeat, but it isn't, um, it isn't the end of the discussion. You're gonna beat him because He's making our schools dangerous because he won't help with gun control. He's he's driving uh, decent families and individuals, and it be families, uh, immigrant folks, out of our communities for no reason at all. 
um, and it's he's become a racial profiler. He's a misogynist. He's hurting women. Um, all these things that he's doing, and those issues resonate and will resonate. Now, one of the things I was saying to you when we were chatting briefly uh, last week uh, was I was doing what I do, Marge. I was advocating Democrats to go strong uh, on the impeachment, drag it out for the entire calendar year. I wanted the impeachment. I've been saying this on the show forever. I want the impeachment process to be occurring as people are going uh, to vote in November, and you were sort of cautioning me, saying I may be misreading things, uh, that in fact your uh, exchanges with voters at the door, I think it was in Michigan, I can't remember where it was, uh, have led you to conclude that not everybody shares my passion uh, for impeaching Donald Trump or having hearings into his various crimes. Talk a little bit about this. I want to be clear, I have helped organize canvassing in Michigan, and I was up there to help launch one. Um, coming out of this terrible cold that's circulating everywhere. I was not going door to door, but um, we got a lot of feedback. We hit 600 doors um, in the Benton Harbor area just a couple weeks ago. Um, and yeah, uh, and I, I, you know, you don't need even our personal experience to tell you that. You're, you're watching the polls. Um, impeachment, we're impeaching because he broke the law. Nobody is above the law. What we're talking about is defending the Constitution. This ridiculous argument that you wait until the election, good deal for Trump, as I wrote in a letter to the editor of the Tribune after they suggested censure was enough, um, because, yeah, that's exactly what he wants, because he's, he's messing with the election. Give him time to continue to stir things up. And uh, we won't have a chance in this election to have a fair count. Um, you know, he's the one who claimed in 2016 that if he didn't win, it would be rigged. He did win, and it was rigged. We're not going to let that happen again. And um, you're not going to turn the other cheek when you see what he's doing to try to get in, um, foreign leaders to interfere with our election. So um, there's that. A tangent, and I could continue on that front because I'm pretty worked up about it. Nonetheless, you and I need to step out of the bubble. The rest of the world is inured to it. Do you watch Fox News? And I say that to you and your listeners. You know, all during the impeachment hearings, I'm I'm using Fox during the breaks. It's a little painful. I won't lie to you, but but you have to hear the interpretations because there's a whole nother spin out there. And it's leaving those who are neither uh, left or right to think, yeah, it's the same old argument. I mean, I, I have a friend who posted, posted on Facebook this morning who is pretty loyal to Fox News, um, but considers herself independent. And she posts on Facebook, you know, hey, Democrats, hey, Republicans, it's your fault and it's their fault. It's our, no, it's not the Democrats' fault. It's not the Republicans' fault. It's our fault for electing you and letting you go to Washington just to fight. We're going to throw you all out and get people who know how to get work done. Wow. I, you know, I think there's a general sentiment, even though, you know, this canard that the House is tied up. It's so much an impeachment. They can't do anything. They've passed 400 bills that sit in the Senate's desk. It's the Grim Reaper who's not doing anything, and he's promised everything goes there to die. Um, everything that would help people. And we're going to make sure that voters know that in this election. That's what they need to know. The impeachment has to be done. The House has to do its job. Because if this is allowed to stand, it, it's, you know, Katie, bar the door. So when you read this Facebook posting from uh, your friend or associate uh, that she's really upset that there's this uh, partisan uh, wrangling or sniping or fighting that's going on in Washington. Uh, like she's just discovered that there's partisanship in Washington. Uh, and you think or about. Or she's had enough of the partisanship. I see. She's had enough of it. So, so that just in time for the Democrats to <laughs> go back to be a subservient party. Um, so, follow me on this. So, if, let's assume that um, this woman that you just. Uh, quoting on from her Facebook feed uh, represents thousands of voters throughout the Midwest and key voters in Michigan and Wisconsin. Do you think 
when you line up all the issues that Donald Trump represents, and forget whether uh, he was extorting the uh, president of Ukraine. Just forget that that he was extorting the president. I'm talking about like denying climate change. Uh, I'm talking about a massive tax hut, tax cut for the wealthiest people. So there's more inequity. I'm talking about environmental uh, deregulation, all these issues. Do you think that a swing voter like uh, your friend or this woman that, you know, uh, would be, would take, "Mm, I'm going to vote for the guy who didn't, uh, who's denies climate change because I'm upset that the Democrats are being too partisan. (laughs) This is not a person who I can uh, analyze that deeply, Uh, (laughs) but I do think that voters like that don't need us knocking on the door to say, Hey, we're the ones who impeached Trump. So vote blue. I don't think that's a winning argument and dragging it out while we're trying to talk about the real impact, because it's easy to say, you know, I wish he wouldn't tweet. Yeah, you know, but he's getting stuff done. You know, what is he doing? You just ticked off the list. They need to know this is the stuff he's doing. They need to know that the the average income of 50% of our population, the bottom 50% hasn't moved, you know, in I don't know what the statistic is. I just read it in a book, but it's like, you know, 10 years. While the top 40 families have multiplied exponentially their income and slashed the taxes they pay. So, like, those are the things you need to tell voters. You think he's getting stuff done? You think that tax cut was good? Here's the real impact of it. You know, you you think it's great that he's deregulating companies and dumped the Paris Accord? Well, all the major cities in the country and major corporations are still in the Paris Accord without him. How good is that? Is he helping business? They don't think so. You know, you think he's good for gun control? My God, there's another shooting as we talked today in Jersey. Um, Cops involved, yeah. So, I mean, this is happening. There was a school in the area that was on lockdown and the students were okay, but you know, this is happening on the streets and schools. Um, and in, in at least, you know, a third of our city every day, multiple times. And so nothing is happening to help where it's really needed. Yeah. That's the story yeah. that it's going to get people out. You think at least he gets stuff done? Kids in cages, is that what you want? He created the disaster on the border. He separated families without a yeah. clue how to reunite them. What if, how, how do you wrap your head around that and say that was a good thing? And so do you think that uh, to win these elections, to really it all comes down to obviously uh, getting Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania to flip. And so Pennsylvania is not a part of your mission, obviously, because there's just uh, geographical limitations. But let's just throw it into the mix anyway. And New York is covering that. And uh, California has a Flip the West movement that is a swing left. And swing left is working with us, Midwest, too, that's working uh, on Arizona, Nevada. It's not just those three states you got to hold anymore. Nevada. Yeah. You have to hold Nevada because right. it was close to where he's, uh, Hillary Clinton won Nevada. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're at, I sit corrected. You have to, there are some states that you have to hold. New Hampshire would probably be one of them too. And Arizona's it. on its way. So Arizona's within reach. Yeah, Arizona's So there's a little broader, little broader list than just those three. I, uh, I'm, not, I'm, I'll leave for uh, future discussion because I know you and I will have this discussion many times down the road. The whole issue of the pros and cons of constantly of emulating the Republicans. I'm, I'm a big believer in emulating the Republicans. Uh, when I hear about people like your friend who posted that thing on Facebook. I already see that the Republicans have worked. Their strategy has worked. Right. Republicans have been the most virulently, what is the anti-bipartisan party of my lifetime. I could tell you I came of age in the, the 70s. Democrats were us. Uh, Big supporters. There were a lot of Democrats who supported Richard Milhouse Nixon. In the 1980s, when I was a young man, 
a lot of Democrats supported Ronald Reagan's mm-hmm. tax uh, break. The, they called him Reagan Democrats. They called him Reagan Democrats. There was a congressman from the northwest side of Chicago. I'm showing my age by even remembering him. His name was Daniel Danny Rostenkowski, and it was the Rostenkowski-Reagan tax bill. Rostenkowski mm-hmm. went on TV, ladies and gentlemen out there, a Chicago Democrat, to advocate for a tax, they call it tax reform. It was also the first stages of this inequity that we're just alluding to. So there's always been Democrats who have worked with Republicans. In the last 20 years, Marge Halpern, I cannot think of any Republican leaders who have openly worked with Democrats. They fought Barack Obama every step of the way. He invited Aaron Schock onto that airplane with him to fly back to Washington to win his vote uh, for Obamacare and to win his vote for the bailout plan and uh, the stimulus plan. And Aaron Schock wouldn't give it to him, even though Barack Obama's from the same state as him. So when I hear... Dan Lipinski wouldn't vote for Obamacare. He is the only member of the Illinois delegation who didn't support Obama. Okay, we'll get to Marie Newman and Dan (laughs) Lipinski in a little while. There you go, Marie. Uh, But so when I hear somebody like your friend on Facebook saying, why can't we all just get along? I realize she's already been brainwashed without that's right. whether she knows it or not by Republicans. Republicans haven't been playing that game forever. So that's why I don't know why Democrats should even pretend to play that game. Do you follow what I'm mm, saying? I do. I do. I, I, that is definitely part of the talking points on Fox News. I, you know, it, uh, Republicans uh, have been very effective in a long game. That's what I was saying earlier about playing the states, playing the court appointments, judicial appointments. They've been playing the long game for a couple of decades. Well, we're in it now. We got some catch up to do. All right. So what, uh, okay, uh, you identified some of the issues that you think would uh, sway voters. Do you think it matters who the candidate is that the Democrats nominate, or do you think those issues would apply to any of the the prospective candidates? I think it it applies to all of them. I... This is going to sound stupid, so I'm going to say it out loud anyway. But I, like, uh, what, but what a brilliant advance for whatever. I know. About to Here's the dumbest thing I'm going to say all day, but I'm not sure it matters. Period. Which candidate is? I think we have a strong campaign because of these issues, and provided that we get in line and in step behind the standard bearer chosen by the process, respect the process. I have a button I should have been wearing right now. This is Democrat for President 2020. We must believe this and act that way. You know the numbers. The number of people who voted for Jill Stein in uh, Wisconsin is equal to the number of votes by which Hillary Clinton lost. Not that there aren't plenty of reasons. We talked about the main reason a little while ago. She didn't work the state. But that happens to be the same number. The Tribune's Gary Johnson editorial made people think they were so smart. Don't think that didn't reach anyone in our neighboring states, because it does. Mm. Um, And a lot of people thought that they were smart. I'll tell you, we had that rally. Indivisible Chicago organized the protest when Trump was in town a couple weeks ago. And I got a text that night from a friend of mine who is uh, a retired uh, chief marketing officer for a very well-known major Chicago corporation. And we've had many political debates over the years. And he texted me, sorry, I didn't see you out there, but I want you to know I was there. And I'm like, whoa, you were there? And he said, not only that, um, we, we got to stop this guy. And I realized he voted for Gary Johnson before. He had told me. Uh, He's sorry he did. He lives here. He was sorry he did, and he's not going to make that mistake again. And he followed up by saying Pete Buttigieg is the first Democrat he's given money to since Barack Obama. (laughs) So we got a playing field out there. Let's play. Well, uh, you you had to remind me of the Tribune's editorial for Johnson. Shame on the Tribune. Uh, That was. I'd say it was the low point in the Chicago Tribune's editorial history, but there's a lot of candidates for that honor of and low most, point. Yeah, and the most recent one, calling for censure instead of impeachment, yeah. when they disingenuously mentioned that, you know, same thing we said about Bill Clinton in December, you know, whatever, 1998, whatever. Well, yeah, but only two months after they first called on him to resign, they left that out. Yeah. That was their first call. 
And then when he didn't resign, they said, well, let's censure him. Yeah. Well, let's, let's see Trump resign. Let's see the Tribune call for Trump to resign because this extortion play is crystal clear. Uh, very well put. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. All right. Uh, something else happened uh, since the time I saw you last week. I think it was Thursday I saw you. Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, gave an interview with Howard uh, Stern. I don't know if you heard it. I've been, I listened to the whole thing. I've been talking about it a lot. I just wrote a column about it. It's on my mind. Uh, and uh, do we have a, Do we have it? Let's play a little excerpt. Uh, for not just uh, Marge, but our listeners as well. That refresh. Yeah. Do, do you just ever want to just lay in bed and say, "Fuck this! I'm getting out. I mean, I am going to go into full seclusion, no. and they're never going to hear from me again." No. First of all, um, that would only delight my adversaries, um, so <laughs> I would never do that. But secondly, I have this unique perspective, some of which we've been talking you about do. today. I have a unique perspective. I have a particular understanding of the Russian threat. And it's not going to only be Russia. I mean... So you must be laying awake at I night. I do. I worry a lot. Because you know how, what I, the shenanigans yes, are. Yes, I worry, I worry a lot. You've negotiated yeah. with mm-hmm. them. You've seen secret intelligence. I have. And you know that, you know, there's these guys who phone, from Nigeria who phone your home and somehow finagle six grand out of I you know. by doing that. Yeah. And you're brilliant at yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine what's going on when Vladimir Putin sits there and plans against the United States. Well, but you know, you can read the, the indictments against the Russians. And I, you know, a lot of people didn't pay attention to it, but it's very uh, informative and scary. Do you mean the Mueller report? Yeah, the yeah. indictments. Okay. The report itself, I think, is also worth reading. But if you read the indictments, you know, basically they were like, hey, Let's do everything we can to elect Donald Trump. I mean, that's those, those are quotes. Those are taken, words. They those said. are words yeah. that taken. And also said Bernie Sanders, but you know, that's another for another day. Do we day. hate Bernie Sanders? What? Do we hate Bernie Sanders? No, I don't hate anybody. Bernie could have endorsed you quicker. Uh, he could have. He hurt him. me. There's no doubt about it. He hurt me. But going back to the indictments, because that's right. what's really important. Have you ever spoken to Bernie about that? No, no. You don't I mean, talk to him. I don't talk to him. Yeah, I mean, we did when he finally endorsed me and all that. But and you're upset did. with him? No, disappointed. Disappointed. Okay. okay. So, and, and I hope he doesn't do it again to whoever gets the nomination. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. Is it the first time you heard that? Yeah. Uh, well, what's your response when you hear that? What's your thoughts when you hear Hillary's assessment of Bernie and the impact he had on the race? Yeah, she started on the high road. She should have stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, communications 101. I, you know... I, yeah, a lot. Of, you know, there's a lot of disappointment with Bernie. I, he's not my candidate in this race, and I have to tell you, those days in Iowa, the biggest arguments, the most intractable. I was going to say rudest, but that isn't true. There are a lot of rude people out there that last weekend. But um, the toughest conversations were with Democrats. Who were like, yeah, no, Bernie. Like Bernie is not in this race. It's not Hillary or Bernie, it's Trump or Clinton, you know? And I, I, I know the DNC stuff uh, was wrong. I, I'm sympathetic to that, I understand that, but it's a binary choice. Uh, it was a binary choice at that point, and those, um, that's the Jill Stein vote that I mentioned earlier, it cost cost the nation heavily and we need to think about that again now and is bernie you know go for it i i I believe and this is the electability thing i i i think the electability thing is a canard i think it's a silly echo chamber where the pundits say yeah you know biden gets in the race he's gonna be the one who can win and then you do a poll who you're gonna vote for well biden's the one who could win so i'm gonna vote for him oh the polls are up for biden he can win you know but all that is his his support polls also show is shallow. You know, if you look carefully at polls, it's not just about the numbers. It's about the depth and the strength of commitment. And he doesn't have it. Um, if you're passionate about Bernie, go for it. I'm passionate about Elizabeth Warren, and I'm not going to back off, even though she could have done a few different things with Medicare for all. But she's right about it. It has to be done. Healthcare matters to me. Uh, the other thing she stands for mattered to me. This wealth tax begins to fix the inequity I was talking about earlier. Only begins, but it's a start. No one else is doing anything about it. Um, so uh, to me, primary is when you vote from the heart. You work for who you really want, who you think is best, for the country and who aligns with your ideals. And then when the primary is over, 
we sing kumbaya and we fight for a democrat see now i'm going to break down what you what you said uh jill stein versus bernie and i know what you were talking about when the people you met at the door uh terry cosgrove been on our show many times uh, had a personal pack talked he's told about his experiences going door to door i think it was in wisconsin uh and meeting Bernie Sanders supporters who are very upset mm-hmm. as um, as he tried to convince them to vote for Hillary Clinton. A Jill Stein voter, I've been saying this to Democrats for years. This goes back to the arguments Marge I had with my uh, friends of the Democratic persuasion back in 2001 when they were outraged at Ralph Nader uh, for being on the ballot and people who voted for Ralph Nader in 2000 not voting for Al Gore. Mm-hmm. And what I taught to tell them as a guy who's lived my whole life around lefties and particularly lefties of the green party persuasion or the far left they are not your voters you can't get mad at a green party voter who doesn't vote democratic for not voting democratic because they're not voting democratic they are so far left Mm -hmm. they view the democratic party as itself as a sellout so no matter what you say they don't think there's a substantive difference between donald john trump and hillary clinton to warrant their vote so it's like i can't blame uh, No, and I was picking the category of people just like those who voted for Gary Johnson and would have voted for the Republican candidate if they liked him. Those are the ABH people, anyone but Hillary. They're like, yeah, well, I didn't get Bernie, but I'm not voting for Hillary. Okay, Jill Stein. Those are the people I'm talking about, not not the core. Yeah, the hardcore. Different Uh, different group. and I, I the, respect that the, too. Then you get to the Bernie, and this is this is where I think the Democratic Party had a made. When I look back through the ashes of the destruction of the 2016 campaign, and I take a look at the fact that it was the perhaps the most important uh, single action that occurred in that campaign. There's many you could put on the list, Marge, but. I would say number one would be when the Russians hacked the Democratic computers and exposed those emails on the eve of the convention Mm -hmm. at that very moment, as when you, as you put it, the Democrats are supposed to have their kumbaya moment. What they did was rip open the scabs and the wounds that had barely healed uh, between the Hillary people and the Bernie people, put it right out there. Mm -hmm. And I know you know what this is like, because I know that you have uh, worked with campaigns here in Chicago that have been up against the political machine. And when you've been in a tough campaign against a political machine that has effectively used its power of incumbency and its control over all the apparatuses of the process to screw your guy, it is really hard to walk away and say, kumbaya, I'm going to support this guy. It takes a little time. Mm -hmm. And I think what the Democrats really failed in retrospect to do is to acknowledge to the Bernie supporters that we did cheat. I think Hillary should have addressed it. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I I didn't tell anyone to do that. I I don't think that that's, you know, the way this should run. I appreciate the support I got from the DNC. I I mean, if she really didn't know about it, but I don't think she did. There was never any evidence that she was or her campaign was directly involved. They were her supporters Um, within the DNC. You know, the calculation that was made by the DNC leadership. um, But. Uh, and I'm not going to pretend to know all the ins and outs of that, so I'm not going to speak too much about it. But I do think there's nothing wrong with acknowledging. Look, we're back to my communications 101 lessons. One thing we know is that people are willing to forgive when you say you're sorry, when you acknowledge a mistake, something Donald Trump never does, Mm -hmm. never, never. That's his philosophy. But mine and really the statistically proven philosophy is you have to come out and say, you know what? That wasn't the right way to do this. Yeah, I agree. And I wish that's to that point. That's a very good point. I wish Hillary had taken the time uh, in that interview with Howard Stern when he said, do you hate, do we hate she could have Bernie? Said so she could have said, more. you know, I don't hate Bernie. I appreciate the support because Bernie was in Iowa. Bernie went all out for Hillary in the in the final couple of weeks of the campaign. Yes, he did. He and did. he was giving speeches and he was urging his listeners or his supporters to vote mm-hmm. for She could have said, I appreciate the work he did and I appreciate... Uh, how he's moved, he's forced our party to consider issues that we hadn't. She could have. Taken she was for health care before anybody, you know, for national health care. She was the original proponent of single payer. Why couldn't she acknowledge that he's bringing the country closer to that? I. Uh, that's a great question. 
And so I sit here, <laughs> when I heard that, it was like, oh no, on a couple levels, uh, Marge, one level is like, it's just going to rip open this fight one more time. And back in the day when, the, when uh, I first started doing uh, radio uh, before I got fired, what was the name of that station, D? I always forget the name of it. Uh, whatever it was. Yeah. yeah right. uh, I think Marge knows the radio game. You get fired from time to time. But um, uh, I know that when I first started, you could get a debate going like that. You could just say, you know, Hillary, this or that, and then all the Bernie people would call in, or you could extol the virtues of Bernie and all the Hillary people would call in. And I was hoping that, you know, those that fight could have died down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was hoping that- We needed we to, if we, we need, were gonna yeah. win. It was, a, it was a factor. And, you know, it takes two to tango, the way we're discussing it now, and, should, you know, what happened between them or what could have happened is... Uh, All right, so I'll put that aside for the moment. I think I can move on with my life. I was so irritated uh, when I heard that. You gotta let it go. I mean, uh, and I say this, you know, you, you Bernie's candidate now, work for him. You know, go for it in the primary. Yeah. But Hillary, we had a lot of candidates. She's not one of them. She's not one of them. Uh, yeah, that is. Uh, so, all right. You said that uh, you, you're sort of drinking the Liz Warren Kool-Aid these days. Mm. I've been tempted from time to time to take a dip of that. Uh, are there any candidates out there who you like? You don't think they could win, but you like some of the things they're saying and you would hope that the party might introduce their thoughts and their ideas into the platform or into uh, the pitch. Anything, any candidates you think of right now? Yeah, I, I like a lot of those in the field that I would not necessarily choose, although I might, there's others that I like. I like Cory Booker. Um, he will not be in the debate on the 19th, which is disappointing. Oh, that's, he I thought qualify. he was in. No, he's out. He's out of Unless the... he qualified in the last 24 hours. I see. Mm -hmm. Which I have not seen. No, I don't think so. I think oh, he's I out. I thought he was in. Mm -mm. And I don't know, you know, polling, I think. Mm -hmm. um, Kamala Harris, for sure. And we haven't heard the last of her. I love how Biden says he, you know, he'd consider her for VP. Oh, great. Were you going to say you wouldn't consider her? Because that'd be a stupid thing to say. Sure, I'll consider her. If that, <laughs> you consider me if I ask, probably. Yeah. You know, like, it, that was a nothing. That yeah. was a nothing statement. Yeah, Joe uh, Biden. If he could stick his foot in his mouth, he, uh, he loves putting that foot in the mouth. But uh, I'm not going to tear him down or anybody else. I, you know, this will not do us any good. He's not my choice. I don't think he's the strongest candidate. I did say already about his polling and the depth of polling. And I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't think he's got the, what it takes. So much you've been talking about uh, democratic unity, the need for Democrats to have that kumbaya moment to come together. Uh, and at the same token, you mentioned that your group uh, is getting involved in a democratic primary to endorse Marie Newman over uh, young Daniel Lipinski, uh, son of William Lipinski, I like to point this out. Uh, former the alderman of the corduroy suits. Yes. And uh, so a bit of a contradiction there. Explain why your group is going to get involved in that primary, uh, but you're speaking in the need for democratic unity, of course, in the Demo in the presidential race. First of all, we're following chapters that represent that district or portions of it. Um, and um, second of all, I, I, for the reason that is Marie's slogan, she's a real Democrat. Um, and she supports the progressive issues that are important to us. And what I said before, Lipinski voting against Obamacare repeatedly? I, I don't understand how that's good for his district or the rest of our state. And we're now in this, you know, we're now in this position where and we, very rarely do I get a question when I campaign out of state um, about why I'm, you know, coming there from somewhere else. Oh, you're not from here? Where do you live? You know, Chicago. And I always brace myself for you know, hey, Chicago, get out of here. I never get that. Never in, I've been campaigning since John Kerry, uh, which is when I left journalism. Um, so, I, and never, never has anyone lashed back at me. What I always hear is, first of all, like, oh, wow, thanks. You know, and why or why are you doing this? And the reason is that, never mind globalism, we, we've got a national, um, but, 
what's the ecosystem, I guess I want to say, when it comes to politics. So the decisions, if you didn't think so before, the last three years have made it clear. The decisions that are made by Congress people in every state impact every state. Duh, it's like pretty basic, right? But really, seriously, because there's no um, cooperation across the aisle, because we've become, you know, so bifurcated as a country, um, every every con- congressional election carries weight in every state. Um, and I, I care what happens uh, in Washington and how it's influenced. And I, and certainly a district here in our own state ought to represent working people. That district, uh, it, you know, it's right around Midway. It's a, there are plenty of working people in those neighborhoods. Um, and uh, that kind of That is an amazing thing short. that you just pointed out. I was just like to say that district went for Bernie Sanders. In the, in, the, yeah. uh, in the Illinois primary of March of 2016, uh, Dan Lipinski's congressional district, the third, went for Bernie Sanders over Hillary Clinton so that the people there have a propensity for supporting, uh, what, uh, health care, government health care. And here you have your congressman yeah. voted against Obamacare. That's astounding. But, you know, the district has changed a lot. It also covers Bridgeport. It was just an old timer like you and I, pretty entertaining. You take your walk sheets and you're looking for a man in his 70s or 80s with a very few vowels and lots of consonants in his name representing the old Bridgeport. And instead, they open the door and it's a young lesbian woman with lots of piercings. Oh, you live here now. Like, so there's a lot of changes in Bridgeport and in that whole area. Um, and that's where you're seeing the progressive vote pick up. But also families like I, I canvassed a lot in um, Latinx neighborhoods. My Spanish is passable enough to talk about Marie Newman. I won't demonstrate here. But um, <laughs> yeah. but I, with without exception, every person I sp- spoke to who who were more com- who was more comfortable speaking in Spanish had no idea about Lipinski and his record or Marie and I left I want to say without exception every one of them saying oh yeah I'll vote for her yeah well I had this moment uh, I've been telling people about this all day today Marge I'll share with you as well uh, over the weekend I was talking to a good friend of mine I, I will not uh, name him I don't want to embarrass him he's a very artistic guy lives on the south side of Chicago and uh, I just in passing made reference to Mayor Pete and he said who and he did not know who Pete Buttigieg is mm. and uh, I checked my impulse to say are you kidding you don't know you know you don't, you're following this because as I pointed out at the start of today's show uh, I did not know who Billie Eilish was when, until I saw her picture uh, at the uh, sign outside the United Center. And this is a singer who has millions, literally millions of people downloading her, following her stuff. So I was ignorant about somebody very significant in pop culture. So I should allow this gentleman his moment. He's into what he's into and I'm into what I'm into. But the lesson I took from that is that nobody of... Uh, my political persuasion, and I'm a Democrat, basically. Let's just call it for what it is. Come on, on it's okay. It feels all right. Uh, I've been saying it forever. <laughs> I wrote a column once. Goes, you know, my name is Ben Jarofsky, and I'm a Democrat. There you, you know? go. What's going And uh, so I, sh- I, you know what? Not everybody is following this, and in that gap, in that ignorance, there's a lot of opportunity for people to do some astounding things like they wouldn't ordinarily do. Like, let's say a, a lefty in the third congressional district would vote for Dan Lipinski just because, oh, I, he's the Democrat. Yeah, I, I recognize that name, you know, and I'm talking about in a primary, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, right. I've heard that name. I'll vote for him. I know the name. I never, they're not paying attention. Well, didn't you just answer your earlier question about why we don't drag out impeachment? Oh no! I that's where I I, I actually attention. I subscribe, and I'm someday I'm going to have you come in. Uh, I would love to have you on the show with a gentleman named David Ferris, who is a political science professor at Roosevelt University. He's a frequent guest on the show, and he's the one I have to give. I'm stealing his ideas when I say this. I just openly give him credit. He wrote a book called "It's Time to, for Democrats to Fight Dirty," and it's all advocating how Democrat. He lays out all the things the Republicans have done, mm-hmm. and he says, "Hey, Democrats, why don't you start doing it?" Starting with the Electoral College, why Democrats tolerate Electoral College? This is the second time in in 
this century, March Halpern, mm-hmm. the second time where a minority have mm-hmm. gotten the White House. To disastrous effect both times. Exactly. The war. Changing the course of, of our world dramatically both times. They were not, I don't want to say run-of-the-mill elections, but, you know, they, no, they were they, consequential elections. No, they were absolutely elections. correct. Uh, I... I yes, I'm just sitting here just thinking about all the chaos of the first four years of George Herbert uh, George uh, Baby w. Bush W Bush's uh, uh, tenure as as president, and it was he wasn't even elected. He didn't even get, I mean he was elected. He didn't get the most votes. So no. uh, Democrats tolerate that. So uh, this is a, a conversation for another time. I do believe that Democrats have to push and push and push and stop playing uh, in boxing. There's something called Europa-Dope where you absorb the blows. Well, that's what Nancy Pelosi says Trump does in court. He, does he plays Europa-Dope, Rope-a-dope in court. Yeah. That's her line. That's what he, That's how he built his business. Yeah, he does. Ripping Nancy people Pelosi. off by playing Europa-Dope in court. Nancy Pelosi was a boxing metaphor. I didn't see that. She said I that. I know, pretty cool, right? That is so cool. I've been really like. I know, like those of like us it. who thought maybe she, she didn't need to stay for another term were changed. Eating our hats, right? I uh, have always been, and Dennis knows this, a Nancy Pelosi fan. I've taken a lot of abuse from many of my listeners. I've just always, I realize that the Democratic Party is a very diverse group with a lot of different types. And I give her credit. It's a hard job. Very hard She's job. very skilled. If you had any doubt before, you have no doubt now. Yeah. She has to deal with everybody from Rahm Emanuel to uh, AOC. You think, think that's a spectrum? That. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I mean, hmm. yeah. That's, All right. You know, Bill Daly, AOC. I mean, you just. Same. Same. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> guess it's the same. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Marge Halpern, uh, it's a blast talking politics with you. One more time, give folks all the information uh, they need to know about Indivisible. If they want to get involved, they want to go to Michigan, they want to go to Wisconsin, or they want to go uh, for Marie Newman. Where, what, what should they do? IndivisibleChicago.com. Scroll down to our logo for Three States, One Mission 2020. Sign up to help. And uh, when we say sign up, you'll have opportunities to send postcards to voters, to help with voter registration, to help with phone banks. But what we really want you to do is canvas. And if you're timid about canvassing, um, let me just tell you right away, the one thing we know is that is the most effective way to win votes. We're not going to win if we don't canvas. And don't worry, we have a training program for you. We can bring you to a training after January. We're going to have several trainings. we got some volunteers uh, from Second City who are going to help us do some fun canvas training and give you some role play opportunities and make it fun. And if you want to find out how to get in on that, circle February 3rd on your calendar. That night, we'll be meeting. It's a Monday night after the Super Bowl. We'll be meeting at the Athenaeum. We're going to have a show produced for us, a special custom political show from members of Second City by my great friend T.J. Shanoff, who is a director, producer, performer extraordinaire from Second City, and he's going to put together a great cast for a show. And then we'll give you an opportunity to sign up to work with us in any of the three states you choose. Michigan, Wisconsin, here at home in Illinois. Don't forget we have a fair tax initiative. We also need to get that through. So we have an agenda in Illinois, but we are confident there are enough folks out there who are focused on victory in 2020 that we're going to expand our volunteer force and be able to cover support in three states. But that means you, every one of you listening, we need you to sign up, IndivisibleChicago.com. All right, very good. And I'll bring you back in January before that February 3rd thing to promote that as well and see what it looks like uh, on the ground. So, Marge, let me say uh, happy uh, New Year, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. Happy holidays to you. I want to thank you, you and Mike Lanahan and everybody else for taking that challenge. Uh, and, uh, you know, doing the good work that you do. So have a great uh, holiday time. Thanks. Same to you. All right. That's Marge Halpern. I'm Ben Jarofsky. That's another bonus show on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Take care, everybody.